This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. What the hell just happened? I know it's 2021, but is is my vision like 713? I I don't know what I just saw. What the hell just happened? I'm done predicting any games just as an FYI moving forward on this podcast. Yeah, I don't remember my score. I think it was like a three-possession game in favor of the Ravens. Everybody picked the Ravens to win. I saw in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, every Post-Gazette writer that picks games picked the Ravens to win. Everybody on the DVE pregame shows picked the Ravens to win. We picked the Ravens. Ravens to win on this show last week. Everybody, if anybody tells you that they picked the Steelers to win the football game yesterday, they are lying to your face. No one thought that what happened on Sunday was going to happen on Sunday. But that's why they play the games, I guess. That's why they don't just decide, oh, this team looks better on paper, so we'll give them a win. What a gutsy performance from your Pittsburgh Steelers. What an absolute must-have of a win that they got in their back pocket. Always great to beat the Ravens, of course, but it's a little extra sweet when you beat the Ravens and you stay alive in that playoff hunt. What a phenomenal game. Can you imagine after going 0-2-1 the last three weeks that the Steelers would somehow still be alive after Week 13 in the playoff hunt? Yeah, because it's the Steelers. Does and, that make sense? AFC this Does year. that make sense? The AFC in 2021 is absolute. It, the whole NFL, really, absolutely impossible to predict. The Steelers do this all the time. They they'll look, have they'll sprinkle in some questionable November losses that are uncharacteristic, and then as soon as December hits, they turn the lights on. Well, recently December has been kind of a death sentence right. for them. So the this is a this is a really good right. start to the 2021 December uh, season of football. What's up, by the way, with all the cliches around December in the NFL? After the Chiefs game last night, Chris Sorensen got interviewed and he was like, "Well, all the coaches have been saying all all week, you know, they remember what you do in December." And Tomlin's always like, "We unleash hell in December." There's a mystical folklore around the the month of December in the NFL that I need to do an investigation on. But we'll get to that at a different time. I just, we said last week after the Bengals blowout loss, we were scratching our heads going, the Steelers don't do this. This is the game when the Steelers, back against the wall, you just tied against the Lions, you haven't played your best football at all by any stretch of the imagination. You almost beat the Chargers, but then you fell off in that game. You thought they were going to show up against the Bengals, go into that stadium, and get kind of an ugly win like they did against the Cleveland Browns earlier this year. And instead they got their doors blown off. So that made us scratch our heads last week and go, well, you know, this again is lining up to be that typical no one believes in us back against the wall Steelers performance against the Ravens, but we just saw that same exact scenario potentially play out last week against the Bengals, and it ended in a Steelers blowout. So I think the confidence has kind of leaked from all of us thinking about this team, and I don't think we were saying they were going to get run out of the gym again, but we were saying, hey, they'll probably lose a close game to the Baltimore Ravens here because... How do you match up against the Ravens when your rush defense is this bad and they run the ball that well, when you haven't run the ball that great on offense and they are really good against the run? 
this matchup's just not going to work out. But instead, what happens? They do the ugly thing, and they make the game disgusting. And I'm sorry, if you weren't a fan of the Steelers or the Ravens, that was a tough first three quarters of football to have to watch. Great finish in the fourth quarter, obviously. But that was an ugly, disgusting, defensive, we're going to make this game low-scoring kind of football. That's how the Steelers win games in the 2021 season, and... It's refreshing to see them be able to channel that energy again, especially after that blowout loss to the Bengals, where I think everybody was like, this is going to be a tough, tough hill to climb after that game. And they immediately snapped out of it. Great resilience from this team, mental fortitude. The leaders obviously illustrates how strong they are to be able to have this kind of a bounce back game. And a bunch of people that we'll get into in this episode just stepped up and put their hand in the pile. Some of the names you probably didn't even hear of before the game started. Right. But they were absolute crucial contributors to that one-point victory against the Ravens. It was a total team effort, Tom. This team got down to a, it was what, a 13 to, or a 10 to 3 deficit and then 17 unanswered points all in the fourth quarter. You kind of hear the same narrative about the fourth quarter as you do December football. Everything is kind of thrown out once you get to that last 15 minutes because backs are up against the wall. You only got that much time left to go in the game. You have to do something if you really want to win. And let's not forget just really how bad this offense was and how bad this team was performing in that first half. Deontay Johnson, only one catch in the entire first half. I think he finished with, what, 10 or Eight. 11? There you go. He finished with over 100 yards. We know the drop he had right before the end of the half. I don't know if you saw this stat come across the TV screen when – when the first quarter had finished. In the first quarter, Baltimore had six first downs. Pittsburgh had six plays in total. Yeah, it was like 30 plays run by Baltimore to six plays run by Pittsburgh at the end of the first quarter. Insanity. Time of possession was completely skewed. But when you're on the Ravens side of things and you have that kind of disparity as far as we've had the ball forever, the Steelers haven't had the ball, and you look up and the score is only what the score is – you should start getting a little nervous on that side of things because you start saying to yourself, we should be up by a couple scores by now based on how we're dominating this game. But like I just said, that's how these 2021 Steelers beat teams that are better than them on paper. They make it ugly. They get you into that, oh, you have 30 plays run? Well, good luck getting into the end zone. You, we'll give you one, but good luck every once in a while. You're not going to just start running it up on us. So One thing you and I kind of overlooked was that – the brakes being pumped on this Baltimore offense. We, we were so concerned with the Pittsburgh Steelers offense being hard to, hard to get going. And I think we were really concerned about the Steelers defense, too. Right, we were. But, and we were saying in our score predictions last week, we were putting the Baltimore Ravens at, like, what, 24, 27? I, I, I gave them 27, something you gave like them 24. That. I mean, they had only been putting up 14 points the last three weeks. And we for somehow for some reason, we just completely overlooked that. And you have to give as much credit as you want to give the offense for stepping up and putting up those 17 unanswered points. The defense also just just completely neutralized Lamar Jackson as they so as they do so much better than the other 30 NFL teams in this league. Right? We we've seen the numbers of Lamar going up against the Steelers in his career to every other NFL team. He gets sacked more. He turns the ball over. He has the worst passer rating. It's just something that Keith Butler does when they take the field against Lamar Jackson, that works. And we totally thought that this was going to be the exception. We totally thought that even without J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards, this running offense by the Ravens was going to run all over the Steelers' offense or the Steelers' defense 
We thought that the Seahawks' offense was going to be able to get nothing done on the ground or via the air because of their number two pat or run defense and their number one, uh, uh, their number one pass defense. All the stars were aligned, Tom, to make us think that this game was going to go in the opposite direction of which it did, and up until that third quarter, it did seem like okay, it's ten to three. This is about right. We'll probably they being the Ravens will get another touchdown here, and it's seventy to three, and this game is out of grabs, and that's not what happened. No, it's certainly not what happened, and I think one thing that the Steelers were able to do pretty well was stopping that running attack. They still ran for 107 yards, the Ravens did, 4.3 yards per carry. Uh, Lamar had 8 carries for 55 yards. Devontae Freeman had 14 carries for 52 yards, only a 3.7-yard average for Freeman, and Freeman did score a touchdown. Those were really the only two backs you saw, Lamar being a quarterback, of course, but... Murray only had two carries, and McCrary had one carry that went for negative one yard. So it was really just Freeman and Jackson running the ball for the Ravens. And the Steelers have really done all year long a good job of taking away teams' biggest strengths as far as their defense is concerned. Now, usually that's come in the form of uh, taking away a Devontae Adams type or taking away a Darren Waller type. But in this case, the best thing that the Ravens have going for them is that rushing attack, even with the injuries they sustained to Edwards and Dobbins at the beginning of the year. They've still been a pretty prolific unit moving the ball on the ground. And to only allow 107 yards on 25 carries to this team, uh, I mean, that's you couldn't ask for much more, especially based on the status of the Steelers' rush defense heading into that game in recent weeks. It's been one of the worst in the NFL. I don't think there's any debate about that. Over the last, what, three weeks, I think it is. It has to have been the worst, but it played – like one of the best against a prolific unit on Sunday. And you have to tip your cap to guys like Watt and Hayward, obviously, because, I mean, those are the stalwarts. You didn't know if you were going to have either of them as early as Friday of last week. When we did our show on Friday, we we did the entire show under the assumption that neither were going to play. T.J. Watt was looking real dim for me, and I guess you left the light on for Hayward a little bit, but you weren't hopeful. Sure enough, both of them end up showing up on the field and contributing uh, both had at least one sack in this game and a couple tackles for loss each but it's Montrevious Adams you know it's the Taco Charlton's it's the guys Donald that Lou, it's it's Chris, Chris Wormley. Wormley they all had to you know throw a hand in the pile and be that next man up that Tomlin so loves to preach and uh, they did just as good of a job as the Haywards and the Watts on that defensive side of the ball trying to slow down that Ravens rushing attack and neutralize that Ravens offense. And, you know, you can't say enough. And Tomlin, even in his postgame press conference, he called out Montrevious Adams in person with name and said, hey, this guy was here, just got here a couple days ago. And we're at, we're having him out there for a lot of snaps out there and asking a lot of them. And he, he did a phenomenal job. So... Obviously, it starts with Hayward and Watt, and those guys get you know all the rose petals thrown at their feet. But the guys who might not even be on the roster in a couple of weeks, or if the Steelers were healthy, would have never even had a chance to be signed to this team and see significant playing time. That had to step up, and man, did they step up in a huge way. And moving forward, you have to hope that this is a building point for that rush defense and that they can kind of harness what they had in this game against the Ravens and use it moving forward because if this is the type of rush defense that you get from now on as opposed to what you had in the previous four games, 
you're you're right back in the race with a realistic shot at beating almost anybody because that that was Steelers football stopping that kind of rushing attack to a T. To I mean Steelers football to whatever you want to chalk it up to. Steelers football in December. Steelers football in the fourth quarter. Steelers football when their backs are up against the wall. Steelers football against the running defense or as a running defense. Everything that we have known for the past what fifteen better part of two two decades. That is exactly what they did. They epitomized what Steelers football is supposed to be yesterday afternoon, Tom. And I, it's almost I, – I, I have no trouble saying it. I was in disbelief witnessing what I saw after these last three weeks up against the Lions, the Chargers, and the Bengals. There was no indication that the Steelers could have played that well against a, run, a running offense, especially one as potent as Baltimore's, one as deadly as Baltimore's. Why, why would we ever assume that – they would be able to turn the corner and, and, and completely do a 180 and, and just completely neutralize that running offense. Not only did they neutralize that rushing attack, they sacked Lamar Jackson seven times in this football game. You saw the blitz coming for the Steelers a lot. That was something that a lot of people were banging the table for this week is to blitz more. They had not blitzed at all all season long. You see it for the most that you have in 2021 against the Ravens in this game. You know, I, I think if you watched film on how the Dolphins beat the Ravens a couple weeks ago, on how the Browns played the Ravens the Sunday night before the Steelers game, you saw that blitzing the Ravens and blitzing Lamar Jackson, although risky, has paid dividends for both of those teams. And I don't think it paid more dividends for either team than it did for the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday uh, because the seven sacks and the chaos that they caused constantly in Lamar's grill. I mean, it was, it was so great to see, but I want to see it moving forward too. Like I get where they were going at the beginning of the year. We can rush four and drop uh, the rest back into the secondary because we have a great front four that can get pressure on their own. They don't need to create blitzes or you know blitzing more guys than they have linemen to block they they don't need to do that that was nice on paper when things were healthy things haven't been quote-unquote healthy since the week one game against the buffalo bills i think you got to start blitzing more and i think the ravens game is proof in the pudding and it is risky to blitz against any competent quarterback in the nfl but if you did it to the tune of seven sacks and to ultimate success against a guy like Lamar, who, by the way, if it wasn't Lamar, it's probably nine or ten sacks because there was a couple There's no that way he that just, any other quarterback is, is as mobile or as elusive as he is. He got away from a couple. He turned a couple into positive plays for the Ravens. So I look at that performance blitzing and I say I would like to take that put it in my pocket and use it moving forward for the rest of the season because that's what begets the turnovers too, right? Absolutely. I mean, you saw TJ Watt on two different plays, on the Minka interception and on the two-point conversion stop. TJ Watt's penetration led to those plays unfolding the way they did. That's how you get those turnover numbers back up, I think, is by blitzing more. And clearly you see the sack numbers are bananas when the Steelers blitz. So... I know it's been only really one game sample size of a heavy blitz package and, and really going back to the old Blitzburg ways, but my God, did it work. And I, I just think that moving forward, you got to implement that in your defense. And that's got to be a part of your identity again because it be got a big turnover in the red zone. 
It forced another errant pass to help win the game, like you said. And it had seven sacks and more than seven quarterback hits on Lamar Jackson. So I think that game plan worked out tremendously, but it can't just be a game plan to stop the Ravens. I think that's got to be something that you utilize from now on. Maybe you don't blitz as much as you did against the Ravens in this game, but blitz a lot more than you had been the previous 12 weeks, that's for sure. I couldn't agree more, Tom. It's just kind of weird. Of course, injuries attributed to this, but to not see this team blitz when their moniker for the past, what, five years, six years has been Blitzburg, right? It was a steel curtain in the 70s, and now it's Blitzburg in the, in the, in the odds in the 2010s as well. And to completely shy away from that, you saw the difference it made. You saw how other than really T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward, granted, because like I mentioned earlier, with injuries, those two guys, their names stand out most of all on the defensive front. But your sack numbers as a team were down. Usually you are the number one team in football with leading in sacks. And you just weren't – take away T.J. Watt's sacks for this year, Tom, and you are middle of the pack at best. And – Seven sacks on the day, and as you, I completely agree with you, if it's Baker Mayfield out there like it is next week, that number is probably hitting the 10 mark. No question. And you mentioned T.J. Watt. He's missed two and a half games, and he's missed half of a couple football games as well. And he leads the league in sacks by two sacks right now. I mean, he has been the defensive player of the year, and I think that Ravens game was his defensive player of the year performance type of game. Uh, you could talk, we'll, and we will, on later episodes that we do. Big Ben, big contributor to this game. Uh, the defense as a whole, the rush defense, big contributor to this win. Deontay Johnson, big contributor to this win. You don't win this football game without T.J. Watt. And Not a I chance. honestly think that, in all six of the Steelers' wins this year, you don't see a victory without T.J. Watt. I don't think it's a coincidence that the games that he's been banged up in, i.e. the Packers game in the second round against the Bengals, or the games he's missed, Bengals game, he left the Lions game early, Mm -hmm. he didn't play in the Chargers game, it's not a coincidence that the Steelers have lost those games. All of them. And they've won the games when TJ plays. Number 90 is the straw that stirs this entire How's it drink. feel? I know the Browns were on the bye this week, so Miles Garrett didn't get a chance to pad his stats. TJ Watt, two sacks ahead of Miles Garrett in the sack category, 16 compared to Miles' 14. Get your uh, defensive player that your bet's in now. TJ Watt's still in plus money. Miles Garrett was the favorite by a decent amount heading into this weekend. Before the Vegas odds makers get wise, I would suggest throwing a little chili cheese on TJ Watt because Steelers Nation, he's going to break the Pittsburgh Steelers single-season sack record. He's got Strahan in his sights right now, though. He's got 22 and a half in sights. So I would get those bets in now. Now, don't come at me with pitchforks and torches if he doesn't win because this is a screwy league and voters can do dumb things sometimes. So it still could go to Miles Garrett or it still could go to Diggs from Dallas. But if he gets Strahan's record or if he even sniffs anywhere close to Strahan's record, I don't know how you take it away from him. You got five games left, and this is not in the – this is not in the same. So he needs six sacks in five games. This is not much. the same scenario as it was last year, where the Steelers had their position locked up in the playoffs. So they sat Ben Roethlisberger and everyone on offense. They sat T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward and everyone else on defense for the final week of the season. 
As long as he's healthy, Tom, he will be playing sacks. against the Vikings, Titans, Chiefs, Browns, and Ravens. He's 16 sacks. He's a sack away from from tying or breaking the single season record. He's tied it right now. He's tied at the single season so that, record so with James. So as Harrison. we said in the in the in the preseason and the off season <laughs> all year long, do does TJ Watt break the single season franchise record for sacks or not? Well, he's got five games to get a half of a sack. That's well, all he needs. Why does it feel like it's just been like a ho hum sixteen sacks too? Like it doesn't even feel like he's been overwhelmingly dominant. He has been overwhelmingly dominant, but it's just like. Oh, whatever. Business as usual. I'll miss a couple games, and I'm still going to be at 16 sacks after week 13. I'm going to miss like, a couple of games. I'm going to miss a couple entire 30 minutes of football here and there. I, I kind of agree with you, Tom. It just doesn't feel like the 16 is – it's it's the most modest 16 sacks I've seen in a while. It, honestly, and it, I think – you know what? I'm going to point some blame at national media here. Oh, we love Miles Garrett. Oh my God, he's such a force. He's the the Cleveland Browns are back, and Miles Garrett is the engine there. Oh, look at Diggs with all of his interceptions in Dallas. Oh my God, that's so great. Obviously, all those players are great. I'm being a little silly right sure. now, but where's the T.J. Watt talk? You know, it's even more. Where is the 16 sacks through just this these few games? Even if he played in all 13 games or 12 games that the Steelers have played. I mean, I mean that 16 number, sacks is still absurd. Played, if he never got hurt, Tom, if he didn't miss the two halves, didn't miss the two full games. He probably is going to shatter straight hands record this year. The injuries no, are the I'm only saying, thing. Where would he be now rather than 16? Probably would, in Would 20s, he be at 20? 19 at the least probably. So that's why I'm saying he'd, he'd probably lap straight hands record if he had played a full season. The only thing keeping that GMA suit wearing, going to space, Michael Strahan safe right now is T.J. Watt's injuries because that guy's putting together the most prolific season in a pass rusher's history, and I don't feel like it's being talked about it like that. So two things. So we're going to talk about it like that forever. So two things. If he breaks Strahan's record, does he get his seat on the Rockets? Oh, wow. I love that. It should be for the Rocket, the seat on the Rocket. Right? Absolutely. On Bezos' next trip up? Exactly. Oh, wow. What, what, what does Michael Strahan have to say about himself? Oh, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the second best single-season sacker in, in yeah, league history, yeah. so that's why I deserve my seat? I mean, Hall, no, Hall of Famer, two Super Bowl rings. We don't talk about those, though. The second thing I'd like to mention is why everyone is – we get why Trayvon Diggs is being mentioned. A, he's a rookie. B, he's playing for Jerry's team. That that team has more media attention than the only one, the only American franchise that has more attention is the New York Yankees. I would say so. Fair. So that that makes sense for Trayvon Diggs, but Miles Garrett in Cleveland, how does that work? Pittsburgh Steelers are the most historic franchise in league history, maybe behind the Green Bay Packers. But this guy's playing in Cleveland. And how is he getting more attention than TJ Watt? I don't get that either because uh, listen. We're going to sound like homers here, but Miles Garrett is the second-best defensive player in football this year. There's no shame in being the second-best defensive player in football. T.J. Watt's been the quote-unquote second-best defensive player in football for the past couple of years, according to the voters. By so, definition, yeah. The, the so it's okay, years. Cleveland fans. Like You don't have to get your, your panties in a bunch just because, oh, Miles Garrett's number two. He's just not as good as T.J. Watt this year. What is Miles Garrett's one job, really? It's to sack the quarterback. Well, T.J. Watt's been doing that a lot more than Garrett has in fewer games than Miles Garrett's played in. So the numbers don't lie. 
they got to give T.J. Watt his Defensive Player of the Year award. Health permitting, mm-hmm. of course, throughout the rest of the season. And production stays the same that it has been, which I don't have. As long as that first part holds up, I don't see any reason why that second part won't hold up either. He's going to get sacks in every single game that he plays healthy this year, at least one of them, I'd say. And it's going to be exciting to watch. And honestly, Thursday night against the Vikings, I could see another couple sacks coming in. Multiple sack game, get up to 18, maybe 19 on the season. I mean, <laughs> I'll tell you, this Strahan record, I mean, it's right in his sights. I misspoke earlier when I said how the Steelers had seven sacks as a team. That number could easily hit the 10 mark if they played. I, I said Baker Mayfield. I obviously meant Kirk Cousins on Thursday night. I think you were thinking because the Ravens are playing Baker next week. So that's, you know, Browns Browns in the mind. It's fine. Browns we forgive you, Browns Jacob. Browns won't uh, come to Heinz Field until week 17 on Monday night. But Kirk Cousins, I mean, yeah, he's got options at receivers. Better options than uh, Lamar Jackson has with, with Jefferson and Thielen. We don't know if Thielen's going to be available. We saw a little report there, but... Obviously, in I don't time, think he's gonna play. High ankle in time, sprain, it'll right? It'll become more clear, but especially it does help. Thursday night, yeah, playing three help. games mm-hmm. or three days, excuse me. Like that certainly helps the Steelers' causes for taking away a big threat there. But Kirk Cousins, man, I mean, Kirk Cousins against Lamar Jackson and a and a little race. You talk about you talk about T.J. Watt lapping Strahan's record. Lamar Jackson is sprinting by. Kirk Cousins. I believe the Vikings are a bit better at protection than the Ravens. That's one thing that also ha- can't be overlooked. The Ravens are one of the worst as far as pass protection is concerned mm-hmm. in the NFL. They gave up 3.3 sacks per game heading into that game. Obviously, the Steelers uh, basically doubled that number, but that's what more than doubled. Yeah. That's what prolific pass rushing teams should do against teams that are that bad at stopping or that bad at pass protection. So. A job well done for the Steelers there. Before we shut down things on this episode, something's up with Lamar this year, man. He's just not the same Lamar Jackson, especially as far as passing the football. And every idiot out there listening to this is going to go, I told you he's just a running back. Told you he can't pass the ball. That's dumb. He threw 36 touchdown passes his uh, MVP season. He threw 27 touchdown passes, I believe, last year. Most touchdown passes in Ravens football history belongs to Lamar Jackson, so he can throw the football. But I'm also not going to be a guy that just defends him at every turn. It's fair to criticize his passing game this season. It's taken a step backwards, and he's doing a lot of dumb things. Like the interception to Minka, great play by Minka, great play by the Steelers' defense, pressure forced by T.J. Watt on that play. Eat the ball, though, right? Like, why are you running right. five yards backwards and throwing it up in the air like you're playing jackpot well, at recess? Why? Are you, I mean, I. you also had an open receiver who was five yards closer even to if, you. Even so, just throw the ball into the popcorn vendor stand. Like, there's no need to force that. You got to come away with three points, especially – and it was early in the game at that point, so you don't know – you don't really know. Mm-hmm. But, like – Harbaugh, you've been around the block. Lamar, this is now your third year playing in this rivalry. Like, you know these games end in one-score games more often than not. You take the points there. You can't turn the ball over in the red zone. You need to get at least three points every time you get down there against a team like the Steelers in this rivalry. So, I, I don't know. I think that that's just a play that I look at and say, you want an MVP, I understand that your novelty and what makes you great is your ability to improvise and pull a rabbit out of your hat. 
But sometimes you got to just take a sack or throw the ball out of bounds. And he didn't do that there, and it cost them three points. And honestly, if you extrapolate that out for the rest of the sure. game, it could have cost them the game. There are, the there are a lot of what-ifs yeah. with, with the Steelers missing the Boswell extra point and then the Ravens going for two. To, but the Steelers to, got that back, to be fair. They so. did. No, they absolutely did. But if they don't convert that, and then the Steelers, all the Ravens have to do is after they – get that touchdown and just kick the game-winning extra point and they win the game. But I totally see what you're saying, especially, especially, especially when that make interception happens. Yes, it was early on, so we don't know what's going to happen for the rest of the game. But, Tom, three and out, three and out, four plays and then a punt, three and out. That's all the Steelers were capable of doing in that first half. Why not take the points if you know – your defense is capable of stopping that opposing offense. Just stack as many points as you possibly can. So much more to dive into regarding this game, but our time is up here on this episode. So if you're going to want to hear some more Steelers-Ravens breakdown, including some of the individual performances from this game, you're going to have to find our next episode of the Steelers Standard. But for Jacob Brecht, I'm Tom Opperman. Always appreciate you guys giving us a listen, and we will talk to you on that next episode of the Steelers Standard.